This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Nice to have you about. And hey, Charlie, look who's back. David yeah. Gaskin, our Welcome producer. Welcome back, David. Yeah, big uh, big trip up. Uh, he the... cruised the West Coast, oh. the inner sanctum, through the islands, up to Skagway and beyond. Ketchikan, uh, Juneau, yeah. Alaska. Glacier Bay. and Dolphins, whales. Yeah. He used some of the ice, actually, to make some drinks up there, I'm told. Yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> really nice ice. <laughs> well, anyway, here we are on the uh, long holiday weekend, Charlie. No ice around here. It's no, hot, hot, hot. No, no. And I, I just want to do a little, quick little shout-out to uh, one of our listeners. Uh, and I was delighted to get. Uh, actually, she's contacted me several times. Anne Rutherford, who is with the uh, Toronto Police uh, 12 Division. Mm, hi, uh, Anne. Police Constable 6345. But anyway, had a chat with her yesterday. Just gave her a call to thank her for listening. And she listens into the garden show and tells me she's got four animals uh, Huckleberry, who's a border collie, Riley. Collie Cross, Miss Alley Cat, she says, who was the perfect cat, and Georgie Girl, another another cat. But Not so perfect, by the sounds of it. But she says, uh, by the way, my dog Huckleberry was named after the song Moon River, one of my all-time favorites. And we were both sitting here, right, trying to Singing figure, it. Well, what's Huckleberry <laughs> got to do with Oh, wait a minute, Moon River, my Huckleberry friend and me, of mm. course. And uh, she goes on to say here, uh, he had been tied to a post for the first 10 months of his life after being taken away from his mum at five weeks of age, and I thought it was a fitting name, what with his freckled nose looking for the rainbow's end. Mm-hmm. He's a great loving dog. We humans could learn a lot from animals with regards to forgiveness. Right. So, hey, uh, good morning and a shout-out to Anne Rutherford. And her fine puppies and kitty cats. Toronto and, Police Force. Delighted to have you listening. Of course, Huckleberry is how we're going to segue into the garden show, right? Absolutely. <laughs> what, a, what a nice way to do that. Yeah, she thought I'd never, thought I'd never get around to it. Uh, yes, indeed. We Welcome to the garden show. <laughs> did you want to give out the numbers before I make Absolutely. some announcements? Absolutely, yes. Or did you want to tell more stories? No, Frank no, is I, so excited. He's going on a holiday <laughs> Soon. So we're going to talk a bit more about that A little soon. later on, right. Okay, <laughs> phone numbers, my friends, if you're in the Toronto area, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And the mantra is, call early, call often, one question per call. And policeman, uh, patrolman Proctor is yes. on duty, and I'll be finding <clears throat> if you try and sneak in a second That's question. Right. Yeah. All right. And a couple of upcoming events to mark your calendar or to participate. Participate in yep. uh, next Saturday, July the 7th, from 2 till 4 p.m. The Huronia Rose Society will be hosting the annual Rose Show. It's happening at the Community Church of the Nazarene, which is 49 Ferris Lane in Barrie. Mm-hmm. Admission is $3 per adult, open to the public, of course, and all roses are grown by the society members. It is a judged event. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting if you like seeing um, judged shows or what they call, you know, juried. jury shows. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that, you know, people put a lot of effort into growing and picking and preserving the perfect plant. 
for this day, for these hours, right? And it will have already been judged. So, of course, the ribbons and awards will be out there and mm-hmm. you'll be able to kind of see what, what people win for. There will be over 100 roses on display of all different varieties and colors. So that'll be pretty and probably very fragrant. <clears throat> also uh, coming up on Saturday, July 7th is Delphinium Day. Delphinium Day. I didn't realize there was a day devoted to delphiniums, but there is, <laughs> obviously. Joking. <clears throat> that long pause. Yes. Um, plant. She takes a drink of water. <clears throat> plant Paradise Country Gardens. Remember we had Lorraine Roberts on the show a few weeks ago? Oh, yeah. She yeah. owns the mm-hmm. Plant Paradise Country Gardens. Her and her husband are hosting Delphinium Day. I will be there speaking. Um, my subject Probably is... Probably nonstop. <laughs> 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 when I'm not coughing. Yeah. Got a little Excuse frog in me. Your there. Yeah. I've got a piece of dust, I think. Um, so I'll be speaking there uh, that day. Lunch will be served. It's all very exciting. And like I said, it's next Saturday. It starts at 11 o'clock. Tickets are $30. Uh, Blooms for Africa. That's a very cool garden tour that's a nighttime tour. Ooh, that sounds neat. Blooms in the night. It happens in historic Hamilton. That'll be Friday, July 27th and 28th. It's happening rain or shine it's from 6 to 9 p.m both mm-hmm. those evenings 20 dollars per person all in support of the stephen lewis foundation uh so that's a that's very cool passports can be purchased at a whole bunch of different retailers in the area go to bloomsforafrica.org to find out where to get your your ticket okay <clears throat> um okay and just a quick one as well back for its second year the toronto botanical gardens every thursday evening very nice outing, particularly in this hot weather. Mm-hmm. Great to be outside in the gardens. And what happens is every Thursday there is music. There's a the summer music series that takes place every evening from 7 to 8.30. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's an organic farmer's market happening all afternoon and evening in the parking lot. So, And this year it's bigger and better than ever. Last year I think they probably had about 20 vendors. I think this year it's twice as many. Plus, there's the cafe where you can purchase um, a, a nice light supper, uh, so you can do your shopping, have your supper, and enjoy the fresh air, the gardens, and live music. One-stop shop. Exactly. Uh, Every yeah, yeah, Thursday good. from 3 to 7 p.m., right, right up until October 4th. Okay. So certainly worth fitting in if you can. Okay. We'll hold other announcements a little bit later, just or do you one, one more to squeeze more. in? Okay, one more quick one. This just came in last night. Sunday, July 15th from 10 to 5 there will be a garden tour happening in, uh, sorry, it's to support the Carpenter Hospice in Burlington. Tickets are $15. It's me, Carpenter Hospice Garden Tour. So the play, tickets are $15. You can purchase them at Holland Park Garden Gallery, Euro-style Flower Market in Burlington, and Cudmore Garden Center in Oakville. Eight beautiful gardens uh, in the North Shore Boulevard and Lakeshore Road area. So you know it's what those are. Yeah. Whew, those are those massive estates, probably. So you'll need your You and I wouldn't golf be cart. <laughs> residing there, no, not no, anytime soon. But it's very fun. I mean, yeah. for, uh, for only 15 bucks, yeah. you get to actually go and see how some people live. <laughs> Peek through the windows. Ooh. But even their, their gardens, I mean, yeah, you know, whatever. Gorgeous. Tennis courts, you know. Horseshoe pits, all that stuff. Swimming pools. <laughs> Horseshoe pits. Well, <laughs> we throw enough stuff around here in the show, I guarantee yeah, you Yeah, we that. don't even need a pit. We just yeah. throw the horses. <laughs> well, David Gaskin has uh, done his duty already. He's got the lines jammed, and we'll be back to talk to you folks. And uh, you'll be talking with Charlie Dobbin, our uh, guest, our guest, our <laughs> Our resident um, gardener, master gardener, that's what I was trying to say. And she's here to answer all your questions, or at least some of them. Uh, we'll be back. <laughs> or do her best. Yeah, yeah, we'll do our best. Okay, back in just a couple of moments. Don't change the radio station. 
Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And on this uh, long holiday weekend, Canada Day weekend, let's welcome Elizabeth to the line from Brampton. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Morning. Um, it's a beautiful morning, too. <laughs> is it ever? Gorgeous. Um, a year ago this past spring, we had a new stoop put at the front of our house. Mm-hmm. And before you get up to the main stoop, there's a, a piece that's about four and a half feet by, or four feet wide and deep. And they've left a little rectangular shape about 22 and a half wide and 38, no, 22 and a half inches mm-hmm. wide, 38 inches long. And it's filled with dirt for me to plant. Mm-hmm. So I bought a little Japanese maple and it's only 30 inches high. Mm-hmm. So I planted it in there. Now, I planted it in a 12-inch pot and sunk the pot into that little hole. Okay. So what I want to know is, is that going to be too close to the house for that little tree? And okay. should I take it out of the pot or leave it in the pot? Mm, good questions, actually. Um, I have two questions for you. One is, what direction does the front of your house face? Uh, south. It gets the morning sun all morning and part of the afternoon sun. Okay, so it's a bright, sunny, hot, fairly warm yeah, spot yeah. by the sounds of it. Yeah, and it's a little green one. I've got a green one because I thought it would be cooler. <laughs> yeah, and is it a weeping variety or an upright? Well, it's, it's very small, so the leaves are kind of feathery. Mm-hmm. And do the branches trail down to the ground, or do the branches face up to the sky, like point up to the sky? Well, they kind of go out to just out. They, oh, okay. I guess they droop. They're going to weep, yeah. They're going, yeah. as they get longer, they'll start to go down to earth. Yeah. Um, well, kiss, you don't remember the variety of Japanese maple, do you? No, I don't. Okay. Well, two things come to mind. Or actually, one more quick question. The stoop and, and all this creation of, of space, was it, is it poured concrete, or is it yeah. stone? It's, so it's white, kind of blazing oh, white yeah, concrete. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it tends to be very, southern exposures are, of course, very hot, sunny right. uh, situations. When you've got white or light-colored stone, you've got even more light because of the reflection of all the sun bouncing off of the concrete. It tends to be, again, makes it even hotter. Japanese maples with the fringy-type leaves or the filigree leaves mm-hmm. tend to burn. The leaves will get all brown and crispy on the edges if they're in too much sun. Yeah. Are, how are the leaves holding up right well, now? Okay. Okay, so that's good. Now, I, I water it every day. Yeah, which is uh, not something you really want to have as a permanent lifestyle, having <laughs> to never go away because you have to stay home and water your Japanese maple. Two things. And okay, and so in the pot, you mentioned that this little area, this 22 by 38 inch garden had been left, and that is soil down deep. It's not like there's an asphalt or something below that, is no, there? No, I was able to dig right down, like bury yeah. this yeah. pot. It's quite a good. Uh, you know what? I, if I were you, I would run with. It sounds like a lo- it's a lovely plant to have in that situation. If it looks nice, it's doing well. Leave it there, uh, but get it out of the pot. It'll be happier if it's not in the pot. Okay. Now the other thing I want to know: it's got a little stake up mm-hmm. the trunk mm-hmm. uh, holding it, and I didn't know whether I should leave that stake with it or take the stake out? Leave the stake for now, okay. uh, particularly since you're going to actually now permanently plant it. Whenever yeah. a pl- it's going to have, it's probably get really skinny little stems that have been trained up, actually. Yeah. It might even have more than one skinny little stem. Mm-hmm. So that stake's just going to help stabilize. Leave it for at least one year. 
Okay. Eventually, that little stake's going to rot away anyway. Um, okay. But we generally always stake any tree for at least one year, but no longer. Right. Okay. Now, I should wait till the fall to take that out of the pot and redo it? No, you could do it now. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, as long as you're not going anywhere, because with all this heat, again, you're going to have to stay on top of the watering. Yeah. Uh, a little transplant or fertilizer or quick start just to okay. get some roots getting out uh, beyond where the pot was. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks for okay, joining then. the show, Elizabeth. Bye. Yeah. Bye. You are listening, by the way, to AM740 here in Toronto, the garden show on the air with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, as is our want, or certainly <coughs> mine, I start to do my exercises now. I know. I and, see your uh, eyes blinking well, up and there down. Well, there you go. There's, yeah, my, there's eyelid. my first eyelid going up and down, up. Okay, my he's, other eyelid. He's yeah, amazing. This Frank, man, he's in uh, great shape. No. It's because, you know, between his mouth going nonstop and his <laughs> eyes going up and down, he's perfect. What, what an amazing human being, I Thank tell you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Frank and I both take something called Sierra Sil. It helps to keep us active, and of course we want to be active because we want to be in good shape, and we want to be pain-free while we're doing it. So Sierra Sil is very simple. It's a mineral, completely natural mineral supplement taken daily. does seem to make a difference for us. does seem to make a difference for many people. Uh, the Sierra Sil people believe that it can help just about everybody, and it, you'll know within 14 days whether it can help you or not. Try it. If it doesn't work, money back. Give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 or check their website, sierrasill.ca. As well, you can purchase Sierra Sill at many of the, the food, natural food stores and all good health mart locations uh, in Hamilton, Woodbridge, Bramall Lake, Guelph, Cambridge, two Burlington locations, Mississauga and Aurora. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, along with Charlie Dobbin, uh, welcoming you. And thank you for sharing part of your long holiday weekend mm-hmm. with us. And that includes, of course, Catherine, who's calling in from T.O., which is probably just around the corner. Hello, Catherine. Hello, uh Frank yes. and Charlie. Morning. Morning. Um, I'm calling about hostas. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of large hostas, beautiful, mm, nice. different varieties. But um, I would like very much to propagate mm-hmm. uh, some of them. What I'm wondering is, now that they're so large, is should I not do it now? And if I, when I do it, should I take chunks out or should I dig up the whole plant, which will really be major, mm-hmm. and take pieces out then that way? Great question. Okay, so um, you don't have to dig up the whole plant no. uh, unless for some reason you want to move the whole plant. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, when I do any division on my hostas, when they get too big, I find the easiest time to do the dividing is with a nice sharp shovel in the spring before the leaves have unfurled, when there's still just little pointy, you know, growing points coming up out of the ground. Yeah. And it's quite clear. You can see then, particularly with the large hostas, I mean, they're like monster protuberances coming up out of the ground. I mean, they're just uh, erupting out of the ground. And that, to me, is the easiest time to go in with a sharp shovel, sort of eyeball where I want to take out. And, and of course, you'll be taking out from the outer edge. Yes. uh, Unless, for some reason, you know, like I say, you want to move the whole thing, then you'll lift 
take the whole thing and chop it up into smaller bits. Uh, find friends that want some pieces of the hostas. Oh, or, I already have. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you can do it now, but they will not transplant well now because it's so hot. Yes. Uh, you can certainly do the splitting that we're referring to once they are in leaf, but you would want to do it in the cooler weather back in sort of, you know, May mm-hmm. rather than uh, than now, just because it's just too hot. You'll find that, again, they, they could survive the process, but they're not going to look real pretty in somebody's garden this year. They're just going to tend to to wilt and flag and look kind of crummy this summer. Chances are they will survive and come up beautifully next spring. Yeah. But why not just wait till next spring and plant them and have them look great all next year that way? That sounds very about what I thought was going to be the answer. <laughs> yes. And of course, you can do it in the fall as well. You know, if, if fall works with your schedule and it's cool weather, again, we're chopping them all up. They're not going to look that great, but it's the end of the season anyway, right? So would fall, fall be just as safe mm-hmm. as spring? Yes. Just the big leaves are in the way. That's what makes it hard. They yeah, all get well, kind of torn once up. Once the leaves start to look not so pretty, mm-hmm. I mean, if, is that too late? No. Nope. No. no. You, if it, for any dividing or transplanting in the fall, we try to have a window of about four to six weeks between that transplanting or dividing and the first real hard frost. I see. So in Toronto, our hard frosts haven't been coming till November, typically, yeah. mid to late November. <laughs> so you've got right up until the end of September, really, to do whatever kind of dividing you want to do with things like hostas. Give them to your friends, have them plant them right away, mm-hmm. slap in a little bit of bone meal or a little quick start just to get those roots going mm-hmm. and uh, and then there you are winter comes and everything looks great next spring well thank you very much i just might do a little bit of both some uh, in the fall and then yeah. some in the spring sometimes that where yeah it's a lot of work so sometimes it's nice to split it up like that yes it is a lot of work but they are so worthwhile oh yeah for sure well good stuff thanks thanks a lot Catherine. thank thank you very much okay have a great day thanks for joining us here on the garden show from am 740 and uh, mm-hmm. next on the list i see that david gaskin has been chatting with <laughs> verna in richmond hill hello verna hi hi there morning I have a problem with ants, but I have never seen these ants before. They're maybe about maximum a quarter inch. Um, they're sort of the color of a new chestnut, sort of reddy brown. Mm-hmm. They're not out a lot. And the first time I saw them, which was about five, six, seven years ago, I was walking out the driveway and I thought, who spilled peat moss on my driveway? Oh, there's mm-hmm. so many of them. Yeah, oh, there's hundreds. Yeah. And by the time I came in, dropped my groceries, Came back out with a can of Ray, because that's all I had at the time. They were gone. <laughs> they don't say out. They, I, I've never seen them come out. I've never seen them go in. I've seen them out for a wee little while, but I, uh, it's, it's sort of like you, you've fallen over them. There is no anthill. Hmm. When they started, they were coming out between my driveway and the house, yeah. and now they've transferred themselves down to the front lawn. Are they dangerous? Are they are they um, are they doing damage to anything? Or are, they, them, are they just something to ignore? One of them obviously is a clairvoyant because yeah. <laughs> they, they know you're coming after them, so they disappear. They, well, they've been watching the TV commercials, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the, right. The, you went in for raid. the raid, <laughs> and they they knew. So. No, but I have tried anthrax and, and the boric acid and all that stuff, mm. and it doesn't seem to grab them as much as the, the normal ants you have in your property. Well. The thing about ants, you have to remember, is that ants don't eat plants. Ants are actually the great cleaners of the world. They are scavengers. They clean up dead stuff. And so they, you know, they're actually really, really helpful animals and insects. However, the, if they make a home in your lawn, of course, then you get the hill and then it makes it hard to, to mow. 
Right. Or if they make a, a bit of a home in your garden, um, again, sometimes it'll end up with a bit of a hill, but they excavate the soil around the roots of plants to make their little their little home there. And of course, then the roots are exposed to the air and then that plant typically dies. So that's when ants can be frustrating in the garden. Otherwise, ants aren't doing any harm to any part of your, your property. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. all I really want. Yeah. Oh, well, that's you great. know what they are? Because I've never seen them, and nobody can even help me with them. They they say the same thing. The color of chest, they're like a very shiny, reddy brown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I have seen those ants. I live in Richmond Hill as well. Huh. I think I have seen those ants recently at my house. Uh, and they, actually, they were all around a parsley plant. So what Did I they eat the plant? No, 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 they're not. But I again, I was worried that they were going to kill the plant because of their excavation at the base. Mm-hmm. So I went and got my handy dandy tub of cinnamon that I now yeah. have in quantity and sprinkled cinnamon over top of the parsley because, of course, it wasn't going to hurt the parsley. And I just wanted the ants to go somewhere else. And they don't like the. They don't like cinnamon. They Isn't that no, wild? I, I've eh? heard. I haven't tried it, but I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, when so it gets words, a... I, I can just ignore it. The only thing is, if you go go near them when they're out with a can of raid or something, <laughs> they do climb all over you. <laughs> but they don't bite. No, that's good. You no, know, they're not, in, not no. intrusive on the body, but it's just itchy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Well, and I know. See, Richmond Hill does have some fire ants. I've read about, mm. and that's because fire, fire ants are red, aren't they? Um, it's they are they're black actually. What the difference oh. between a fire ant is and a regular ant is that when you hurt one ant normally, like you step on it by mistake, mm-hmm. all the other ones run away. Whereas when you you hurt one fire ant by mistake, they all co- go after you. It's like a completely opposite oh, nice. behavior. Wow. They they charge and they bite. So that's where fire ants are scary because they can really it can hurt. It's not just one bite; you get like a hundred bites, right? Oh, it's like Lord, yeah. yeah, and so the, and they're, they're quite painful from what I understand. I haven't seen any fire ants, but I understand that there are they are in Richmond Hill in some places. So to be to be watched for. Well, thanks a lot for thanks the call. Thanks, Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> take care. You are listening to The Garden Show from AM 740. Phone numbers in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And, of course, from anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Let's do a little traveling here, Charlie, to Woodstock. Have a word or two with Tom. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. It's nice to talk to both of you again. Yeah. Um, I've got a rose bed. Mm-hmm. And at one time I used to be able to get a Wilson's Flora Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a concentrate which I mixed up and it was a insecticide and a fungicide. Mm-hmm. But I can't get it anymore. I can't find it anywhere. So. It's not on the market anymore. Unless you go to the States and buy it and bring it back illegally. But I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been thinking about going there because it really worked. And it was nice you could... Yeah. Uh, well, you know, do the one job. Well, what's going on with your roses? Well, yeah, what what's happening with your roses? Well, I've got some black spot. Mm-hmm. A, a little while ago, I had some aphids on the ants or on the roses mm-hmm. and stuff. Okay, so. but but you know, aphids aren't a huge deal. You see them very easily. They're always on the growing tips, and yeah. they can be annihilated so easily just with some soapy water or even with a spray of the hose. Sometimes you can knock them off. So, yeah. it, the, um, but the black spot, you'll need to to avoid that happening. You need to kind of stay on top of 
like a fungal spray, fungicide spray, particularly when we get into humid and rainy conditions. And that was where your your FloraGuard or FloraTech came in because it was a fungicide that prevented the black spot. But you can still get sulfur, garden sulfur, in a spray form to spray onto your roses just like you used to spray the uh, the FloraGuard or FloraTech. Yeah, lime sulfur uh, worked well in the mm-hmm. spring. Yep, it does. It's a great the ground, but this year got hot too fast. I know. Yeah, yeah. It did, but and no, it but burns uh, burns the flowers. But you, but just straight sulfur, uh, and it'll be for sale in a liquid form, uh, and it'll say right on it, "Garden Fungicide," and it, the active ingredient will be just straight sulfur. There won't be any lime in it. Do follow the instructions. Of course, you never spray anything at the hot, you know, noon when it's 30 degrees onto roses where they're in full sun because that is very, very uh, harmful to them. But yeah. certainly the, the sulfur can work exactly the same as, as all those fungicides we had in the past. None of those fungicides ever, um, um, per, like they didn't, they treated the problem from spreading. They prevented the problem, but they never cured the problem. Fungal diseases can't be cured. They have to be prevented. Right. And that's what black spot is. It is a fungus. Yes. Okay. You, do you know of any home remedies? Um, oh, there's a whole bunch of them out there that are, you know, to do with um, using baking soda and or baking, yeah, baking soda, water, garlic. There's there's 101 different sort of home remedies out there. Uh, I don't typically use them. You know why? Because when, when I have roses, if I have roses that consistently about black spot and are just too much work and have to be sprayed too consistently, I get rid of them and I get I bring a new rose in that is totally resistant to that disease and I don't have that problem. See, remember Sherry Lynn Safer, our rose expert oh, yeah. who was on the show, she was a big proponent of organic rose gardening and it had a lot to do with choosing rose varieties and cultivars that will not give you problems, will not have a lot of fungal diseases. And that's really where it's going in the rose world these days is into newer varieties that are resistant to black spot and powdery mildew and all that. Do you have that. a lot of roses uh, you're dealing with there, Tom, or...? Um, about 20. Yeah. And some of them are probably fairly old. You've had them for a number Uh, of years. Some I've had for over 20 years. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, so you've got... And, of course, some of those we love. Like, we don't want to lose them. So, you know, you kind of have to say, all right, one or the other, right? Either I get newer varieties that are going to be less work, or I stick with my, my tried and true favorites that I love, but I have to stay on top of spraying them to avoid some of the fungals. The other thing is mulch. Do you mulch the soil around your roses? Uh, I... I mulch this year okay. for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I find it works really well. It help, really helps keep things like black spot down. And do all your watering early in the day and never water the foliage, right? You want to keep your foliage dry when you're watering. Oh, so water the, the roots only. Exactly. And, and roses don't like uh, wet feet at night. No, exactly. So, And that's where a soaker hose is really effective, though they're a bit hard to put out once the roses start to grow. But, you know, even if you have the time in the morning, go out there and just water low, water at ground level, uh, I, all your roses. I do a lot of my watering with uh, rainwater. Perfect. They oh, love that. Yeah. It's the best. And, you know, it, roses don't even take that much water. Like I, my roses are my 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 roses are in the hottest spot in my garden. I think I've watered them once this year so far. Like I just don't water them; they're fine. Yeah. you rarely see a rose suffer for lack of water. Oh, they have an awful root system. Well, that's what I mean. The older ones have huge root systems. They find the water. You don't need to water them very often. No. Well, that's so. good news. Yeah. I, yeah. I broke a shovel off this year. <laughs> I was trying to dig a tulip out that came up in my rose bed. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks I a lot, Tom. Hope we've... 
Ho- hopefully, Charlie's been of help there. Okay, thank thanks, very much. Tom. Thanks for your call. Appreciate thank it. you. Uh, Nine thirty-six, our time here uh, on the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Did you want to squeeze something in here? I did. Is that yeah. all right with you? Well, yeah, I think I can. Uh, yes. Okay. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> you are such a control freak. I, I know, this is the Garden Show. Uh, <laughs> I just want to tell you a little bit about my week. I had oh, yeah. a busy week, and it was pretty fun. Uh, on on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, I flew to Ottawa for the day. Um, Arbor Memorial, which is a large cemetery company, was having their annual general meeting. So uh, people from across Canada were coming together in Ottawa. Uh, Property managers were meeting and talking a lot about what goes on running cemeteries. So the company flew me to Ottawa to speak to the property managers, uh, to speak on subject of actually how to do wow container gardens. Because, you know, a lot of cemeteries, that's part of what they have to do is have beautiful grounds. And so I was there to give them some ideas and inspiration and that sort of thing. It's pretty challenging, though, because, you know, people from Calgary, people from Montreal, people from Chatham, I mean, they're gardening in all different environments. Environments, but still, just trying to you know give them some kind of all-purpose inspirational ideas. It was fun. It was really nice, nice way to spend the day. Then on Thursday, I took a drive out to Prince Edward County, uh-huh. which is one of both you and my sort of jewels that we don't want to tell anybody about because we <laughs> you don't want to overrun with tourists. My God, That's no, right. no, it's such a pretty part yeah. of Ontario. And the weather was gorgeous. So yeah, I was there overnight on Thursday, uh, yesterday, and all that wind, right? right. Body surfing oh, wow. in Lake Ontario. It was really fun. It was like chilly but refreshing um, but in our driving around myself and my friend Heather we were just driving one of the little roads and there's a sign on the side of the road that says Pearl's Plants so Pearl's Plants we go hey should we stop and see what kind of plants Pearl has so you know <laughs> screech yeah. U-turn back around and we stop the car and sure enough a big maple tree and who's sitting under the maple tree but gotta be Pearl Pearl yep so Pearl comes out from underneath the maple tree, and uh, she's kind of tottering along, and, and Pearl just, just launches into being a real character. <laughs> you had a great time. And huh? she yeah. um, she's a, a geranium person. And I guess, you know, she, over the years, I mean, I guess she's been in this one location for 42 years, uh, has been a geranium grower, and people used to come to her yeah. to get geraniums. Yeah. Now, she said, not so much. People go to the, you know, go to Loblaws to get their geraniums. They're not buying them from her. She has a lot of geraniums and some very unusual ones. So uh, both Heather and I went away from Pearl's plants and Pearl with little pots of a geranium that Pearl didn't know what it was called, but it was something that her mom gave her. Yeah, she said, this is, this plant is older than I am. Well, Pearl's 84. Yeah, yeah. So her mom had this plant. Her mom was from the Renfrew County area, so up near Ottawa. So her mom probably got it up there somewhere. Right. Very unusual geranium. It, it almost, the flower almost looks like a primula. It's very multi-petaled, probably about a triple, you know, instead of a double amount of flowers, it's probably a triple amount of flowers, white with pink um, edges to the petals, but small and very dense and compact flower. Anyway, both since Pearl didn't have a name for it, Heather and I named it Pearl's Petticoat. So we now have a geranium. I'm going to have to look it up. It might be out there and have a real name. But for now, we're calling it Pearl's Petticoat Geranium. And it's really neat and unusual. And it's very fun. I love stories that go with plants. So Absolutely. I'll be saving that one as okay. well. Okay. And you're up near where I uh, have di- you're and heading I are, soon. We're heading very shortly to uh, Lake on the Mountain Resort, uh, which is near Consecon, where you well, were. Well, is it near Consecon? Yeah. Well, I guess maybe a 20 minutes. Drive yeah, like yeah, yeah. I mean, the county, yeah, I guess the county's pretty big. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got various towns and stuff. And I was near Consecon where I was staying. And the owners of Lake of the Mountain, uh, 
uh, have a home Jill right there. And, uh, Joan Kretchen. Uh, uh, Kretchen. Yeah. Have a home on the same road mm-hmm. where my friend has a Heather has a home. They so. are great people. I'm, I'm looking forward so much to I seeing them. I tell you, a bunch of characters there, and I <laughs> met a few. <laughs> well, we better meet some of our folks who are waiting on the line very, very patiently. But we'll be back to you folks in just a couple of moments. First of all, we must do our exercises. Oh, okay, I'm going to change up a little bit here. Okay, oh. I'm going to do the Hawaiian hula hula. Oh yeah. man, that's good exercise. <laughs> The skirt looks better than the cape. I think this is a good idea. (laughs) All right. The reason Frank is being such a wacko is because he took his Sierra Soul today. And he likes to maintain freedom and do all his favorite activities like hula dancing pain-free. So reduced aches, reduced stiffness. Oh, man. (laughs) What a guy. So Sierracil is something that we recommend you might want to try because it does keep us pain-free and we can maintain all, all of our favorite activities. Pick it up at your local health food store like Ambrosia Natural Foods in Newmarket and in Thornhill or Buy it on the web, sierrasil.ca, or give them a call for more information. 1-877-JOINT-14. Aloha. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, along for the ride here, having fun on this Saturday morning, part of the long holiday weekend, as we say hi to Kim in Brampton. Hi, Kim. Uh, you went to the wrong caller. Uh, yes, good morning. Okay, Did I go to the wrong caller? I'm Great sorry. Great information, well presented. I retain everything you say. Wonderful. This is my question. I have what is called a hibiscus uh, fireball. It's a perennial. It's a rose mallow. Right. And it, it grows outside and it grows, to, well, it says four and a half feet, but mm. mine grows to six. <laughs> and it says Large, attractive flowers. It doesn't say Jurassic Park wildflowers, <laughs> which is not what I wanted, but Just I have three of them. supposed to know so this. Yeah. It, it says that you can trim it and treat it as a hedge, but I'm afraid to trim it because I feel like I'm amputating it. So mm-hmm. can I do that, and when do I do that? Okay, so the, the, um, this is a herbaceous hibiscus. So that means that it dies down every winter and right. disappears and then grows up from the root every spring, six feet tall, with flowers that are the size of a Basketball. Volkswagen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're really big. So <clears throat> trim it and treat it as a hedge. You're right. If you tried to do that, you would end up taking off some of the flowers. Right. And that's what it says on the label here. Right. Well, see, the other thing is, with many of these monster flowering plants, if you took off one bud, you're going to end up with more buds. Okay. So you'll have more flowers but smaller ones, which might be a good option for you if those Volkswagen-sized blooms are just too Jurassic Park-looking for you. So, yeah, don't, you know what, because... Everything is ahead this year. Normally, that plant wouldn't flower till mid-August, early August at the soonest. But is it showing some buds now? Uh, very few. Okay. So, like, it's ahead of schedule. Everything yeah. is. What you could do if you want to eliminate some of those monster flowers is do that. Do some trimming. It will keep it lower, more wider, but lower because okay. uh, it's going to get bushy if you, if you take off the top sort of six inches on the entire plant okay. or even eight inches. Okay, I'll take eight. Yeah, so it's, it's just going to be bushier, wider, and you'll have more flowers but smaller ones. Oh, perfect. Thank you very much. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Kim, for joining us here on The Garden Show from AM740.
7.40. Now, let's go out to Scarborough. Have a word with Joyce. Good morning. 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 Um, Charlie, help, help, help. Um, in the past, um, because the weather has been a bit um, cooler, my old Canada rose, which I've had for about 12, 14 years, has um, bloomed. All the blooms have been out and all dried up, and I have done all my trimmings. Now, would I be able to get roses again later on, or is this for the year? Uh, you know, I'm not familiar enough with O Canada Rose, but oh. probably it is what is considered an ever-blooming rose. Very few roses out there now are bloom once only and then done for the season. There are a few of the older shrub roses and rambling roses that will sometimes do that. But generally, all the roses that are in cultivation will have that first flush of blooms. And again, this year, everything's ahead, so yes. the flush is pretty much done now. Yes. There might be a few buds still coming, but of course, they, they looked amazing 10 days ago, and we'll see fewer buds. Do trim them, and of course, you remember you deadhead your roses down to the first outward-facing leaf, like outward off the plant, okay. that's got at least three leaflets, okay. three or five, but even to go to where there's three. And new shoots will start to grow and buds will form. Okay, now do I have to give it um, a little extra fertilizer because I've done the trimming? Have you? Did you fertilize in the spring? Yes, I did. And what kind of fertilizer did you use? Oh my goodness! What um, was it like? A what? Liquid? Song? It was yes, a granular that you, not, not not a granular. It's um, a liquid, you know, a, mixed um, I think powder. Like miracle Grow, yep. one of those Miracle Grow things. Definitely fertilize again. Okay, now I've done all my trimmings, as I said. Mm-hmm. Now I normally do this for my lamium also. Now do I have to do I have to give it extra fertilizer again? Mm, I wouldn't fertilize lamium ever. Really? <laughs> oh, just because it gets so it just grows everywhere. It'll grow sun, shade, dry, wet. It's a it's It'll a take over. Gr- well, yeah. yeah, it's a great all-purpose <clears throat> plant because it will grow where nothing grows. Is it a native plant? No. Okay. But lamb, I mean, unless you love your lambium so much, yes, you can fertilize it. I should, I'm being a bit rude when I say it. It's just me. I don't fertilize it because yeah. I find it does, as Frank said, it can be a bit of a takeover plant. So oh. with plants that tend to take over, I like to stress them a bit, not not tender, loving, care them too much. Okay. Unlike my roses where I do want to tender, loving, care them because I want, you know, maximum beauty from them. Okay, then. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you're very you, welcome. Goodbye. <laughs> For joining Bye-bye. us here on the Garden Show from AM740. And uh, I'm going to do a little alliteration here. Let's clip along to Caledon to say hi to Colleen. Oh, hey, my hey, how goodness. About that? Hello, Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> Morning. Hi, Colleen. Hello. Hello. Morning. It's Pauline. Oh, oh Pauline. Pauline, I'm sorry. That okay. alliteration didn't work. We're going to poke a lot. I forgot to my lawn fertilizing. Uh-huh. Is there a time to fertilize in the summer, your lawn? Well, did you fertilize this spring? Um, the spring, did we fertilize in the yeah, spring? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did fertilize in the spring. <laughs> I my husband. Yeah. When it's really hot, like this, sort of 35 degrees, we don't typically do a lot of fertilizing because the lo- nothing really grows when it gets really hot. However... The, it is going to cool down. Like we're seeing that the nights are starting to get a little cooler. If your lawn is looking a bit peaked, uh, meaning it's not as green as you'd like it to be. No, it's really dry. Yeah. Well, that might be partially from water because it has been dry. Uh, also, soil. Remember, it's all about good soil. Uh-huh. We, we do use fertilizer as a quick fix on our lawns because it will just green the lawn up overnight. But ultimately, for a healthy lawn, 
top dress and overseed, right? That's that half inch of good quality soil going right over top of the lawn and seed going into, you know, scattered in amongst that soil, either spring or fall to help have a healthy lawn and get it through some of these drought kind of conditions. But yes, you can fertilize them. Many of the the fertilizer manufacturers will always recommend up to as many as four four fertilizings per season. So spring, early spring, late spring, uh, late summer and fall as the, the late summer. Yeah. But when we fertilize right now, which we should put um, top not now, but in the spring, mm-hmm. the birds eat the seeds. So oh. should we put in the top soil over the seeds then? Because that's a really good point, and the birds will eat the the, the grass seed. But you, um, grass seed doesn't want to be covered with, with much soil. It shouldn't cover <clears throat> it with much soil. No. Well, that's right. So what I, if you have just a sparse lawn and you're needing to thicken it up a bit, the most important thing is that the seed gets down in contact with the soil. Otherwise, the seed won't grow anyway. What about rolling it? Uh, is that too heavy? Uh, well, I'm not a huge fan of rolling, but some no. people are. They, they find that that just helps take out some of the lumps and bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mostly what I'll do is I'll scatter the soil, scatter the seed, and then get out my rake and rake lightly through so that the, the seed will drop down better, the, the soil gets in between the, the existing blades of grass, and then get the sprinkler out. Because of course, you know the seed won't grow without right. moisture. So you um, never put soil, put um, topsoil over the grass. If I do, it's a very, very, very fine light. layer. It's an eighth of an inch, quarter of an inch at the absolute most. Okay. 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 So if I'm going to fertilize, wait until the the um, cooler. It's cooler. Yeah, give it another couple of days. It's going to cool and off. What, what is the um the um, middle number. Um, well, you'll use any uh, good quality fertilizer. Scott's, as an example, has Turf Builder. I don't remember what the numbers are. Um, Turf Builder, which is very effective. I remember last year putting it on my lawn, and I have a strip beside my driveway that's mine, and then my neighbor's front lawn is abutting my lawn. And I went down my strip with the, <laughs> with the Turf Builder, yes. and my neighbor came over like a week later and said, what did you put on your lawn? It was like so obvious. Mine was so green, like like you know. You are nasty. Yeah, like just whoof, Kelly you green. You wouldn't just spread a little over on your neighbors to make. Well, it I would have had to do his whole front lawn, <laughs> so I didn't. So I did mine. Anyway, it was really obvious where mine yeah. was so green and his was not so green. So I told him I had used turf builder. So that's very effective. So Scott turf builder. Yeah, and this, but this. Yeah, and this year though, I used the organic form of Scott's. Lawn fertilizer, which is going to escape me. I'm going to have to look it up, and I'll tell you later. It's um, it's it, it's a it's a they're both slow release fertilizer. It's just that the one is from organic sources or natural sources, whereas Turf Builder is completely synthetic, made in a made in a lab. Both of them are very effective, but Turf Builder is almost instant, and you will have to mow more often. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you very much for uh, calling in. Okay, have a good day and a wonderful weekend here on Canada Day. Uh, long weekend ahead of us here with the excellent weather. We'll be back to chat with, uh, let's see who we got in line. Okay, Diane, listening in from Fergus, will be to you in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show from AM740. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
All righty, we're at uh, 9.54, so a little bit of time left to talk to our listeners. You have a little Quick, homework uh, you've done here. Yeah. I know. How fast am I? Our last caller, <laughs> Pauline, was asking about lawn fertilizer. I mentioned Turf Builder, mm-hmm. which is very effective. Made my neighbor jealous, and he had to go out and buy some. But the one I used this year, which wasn't quite as dramatic, but certainly has done a fine job feeding my lawn, and I haven't had to mow more than every seven days with mm-hmm. this particular one, is also made by Scott's. It's an EcoSense natural lawn fertilizer. The numbers are 1005. So not quite as much of a sort of plants on steroids look that we get with the, the turf builder. So it kind of depends what you want. I just don't like mowing more than once a week. I, and this is one with the little and, and puppy Elliot dog. And doesn't mow for you? No, my son mows when he's home, but I haven't told you my son is now up in Fort McMurray Holy uh, supporting the Canadian economy um, and the oil patch, uh, working with the fireproofers union. So he oh, okay. uh, is working two weeks on, one week off. So he's back up there now working uh, and not mowing my lawn for me, unfortunately. Alrighty. Hey, it's off to Fergus we go. Uh, Diane, ooh, Gadfrey Daniels earwigs. Ooh, <laughs> Gadfrey Daniels. Good morning. Yes, good morning, and thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I have a, a huge problem this year with earwigs uh, in my planters. The flowers have been eaten. Mm. The, the, the um, lobelias are just mm. chewed right off. Mm-hmm. They love the flowers. I've lost my begonias. I've had to replace them. I know. They and chew all the, t- the edges, and they make everything ragged. Yeah. Drive me nuts. And what can I do about these <laughs> when earwigs? You say Planters are these are like pots, containers. Yes, they're pots, and I put this year. I did something different. I put the pots in the garden uh, uh, instead of putting the flowers right in in the garden. Okay. I just wanted to have a different look, and uh-huh. I don't know if that was a good good deal or not. Well, yeah, you've kind of set up. See, the thing about the pots is you kind of set up a bit of an earwig hotel. Uh-huh. Uh, earwigs hide all day out of the sun. Uh, now, we'll find them under the leaves, sometimes in the parsley patch and that sort of thing. Uh, the, the chard, all those things get covered in earwigs during the day, but from below, they come out at night to chew. When you've got pots outside, they, of course, can so easily hide in the pot. The soil is nice and easy to climb into, and then they just sleep all day in that nice, cool spot and come out at night. One thing I would suggest you do, are, are these like really big containers they'd be hard to lift up out of the garden? I couldn't lift them now. No, oh, okay. no my husband and I couldn't lift them. They're fair size. <clears throat> You know, so, a lot of soil in them and so on. Right. So n- if you're going to do this again next year, and just a tip for anybody who's working with container gardens, put them up on feet. Put oh. them up on bricks okay. uh, or two, you know, chunks of two by four or whatever. Just get them up off the ground. Okay. You will, you will eliminate a lot of earwigs getting into the pots by lifting them up that way. Oh, okay. For now, though, your best bet is to um, provide some, a trap for the earwigs. And this is the, any trapping of earwigs does require emptying the traps. So little pieces of hose or hollow tubing of any kind on the surface of the soil, either in your containers or in your gardens, they will hide in those little hollow pieces of hose or tubing at night, as the sun starts to come up at dawn, they'll, yes. they'll think that's a pretty handy little hotel. Okay. So they'll climb in there. Your job, once the sun is up, is to go out and empty those little hollow tubes. Tip them up on their side. All the little earwigs will come sliding out. Just have a, a tin can ready with some water and a drop oh. of oil or, or soap in it, and they will all drown in your in your little can okay. and you can giggle and laugh and enjoy them <laughs> dying in because I try that. yeah sure. it'll you'll you'll lower the population you'll never get rid of all of them but you can certainly lower the population by by trapping them and, and annihilating them during the day things we've had so 
so many earwigs this year. It's a big year for earwigs. Is it? Yeah. It's a good year for them. Yeah, it? perfect okay. conditions for them. Well, thank you again. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll give it a try. All right. Thanks, good Diane. luck with thank that. I, I love that term, earwig hotel. Yeah, I know. I wonder if they have room service. Oh, yeah. they don't. They're just, they, they're voracious. Nasty little beasts. No, we don't mm. like those at all. Now, I don't think we have time for another caller, unfortunately. I don't think we do either. No. So, uh, while we get ready, I see the boys have moved into position yeah, there. Yeah. Dave's Corner Garage yeah, and Alan Gelman uh, and guests are uh, ensconced safe, safely in our uh, studio just opposite us. Uh, and they look in fine form, I must they say. They do. Um, you know what? I'll, I got a quick email here. Let, okay, me, um, sure. let me cover this. From Beverly in Georgetown. She writes uh, about enjoying the show but wants to get rid of clover in her lawn uh, that they seem to be taking over. Now, the thing about clover in the lawn is, I know, clover's not a grass, but the nice thing about clover is clover has a taproot, so it it withstands drought and stays green. Uh, Clover is a legume plant, so it fertilizes itself. It takes nitrogen right out of the air, fixes it into a form that the, it can use the nitrogen. So clover is one of our best, most drought tolerant, easy to care for lawn alternatives out there. So that's why I don't like saying... Damn clever get, little plant, yeah, really. Not a good idea to get rid of clover, but it's still not a grass. Mm. So what do you do to get rid of clover? Uh, that's where you go to your uh, weed be gone. Weed be gone, or particularly early in the season, will help annihilate clover or you dig it. And of course, those tap roots need, you need a long screwdriver or a long tool. After the soil is nice and moist, you can pull the, the clover out that way if it's really bothering you. But I personally don't mind clover in my lawn. I let it, I let it in. I let it work its way in there. Okay. All right. Just before we close out, I have to quick little uh, note to my wife, Di. Hopefully uh, she's tuned in. Yeah. Turn your phone on, Di. I'm going to have an interview <laughs> with her a little later on, but oh. a show she's directing in Showboat Theater nice. in Port Colburn. Good to hear. Yeah. And uh, um, we'll hear more about your gardenia next year. I oh, know yes. Next week. I mean, my I know my mom's is doing well. Oh, yeah. And yours is as well. Yes, it is. Have a wonderful Canada Day. And you, you too, Charlie. Frank. And thanks, everybody, for your good calls. And thanks, David. Dave, for your help. See you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.